Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is so wonderful. This is what it said with the Henlope and Sea Salt. Relive your fondest beach memories with just one taste of Henlope and Sea Salt, a flaky, delicate salt that enhances all of the flavors of your cooking. Our salt is made by hand in small batches from water collected off the coast of Louisville. So let's, let's be honest. This is ocean salt. Your memories are being smacked in the head yeah. by a big wave. Don't turn your back on the, <laughs> on the sea. down, and the water rushes into your mouth and tastes terribly salty. Right? This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I'm not saying it's not good salt. I'm saying that when you talk about memories of salt, sea salt, ocean salt, that's your memory. That's yes. all I'm saying. I have this haiku from Chef. A fine line between a face full of salt water and marketing shtick. Yeah, that's 100% correct. <laughs> All right, so um, I played golf yesterday. I was terrible. I am now, I'm now terrible. I'm now a terrible player. I shot like a gift 98 yesterday, and when I reported it, I just said, just put me down for 95. And I, was, I shot way over 100. I doubled every hole that I didn't triple. I was terrible. I don't... Is I'm, it affecting your enjoyment of the game? No, love the game. Love to play. Really? Love. Love to play. But I don't love to play with... I shouldn't say I don't love to play with really good players, because if they're chatty and, and they're funny and they play fast, then I do. Sure. I just feel sort of embarrassed that I'm holding them up because I'm, I'm so bad. Is it an issue of grounding everything, or you're just wildly all over the place no, in not, the air? No, 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 no. I hit the ball on the ground, or I hit it thin on a chip, and I go over the green. Mm. And it, it, there's... There's one shot on every hole that costs me two more shots. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I could hit three good shots, but then there's one shot that I end up with a seven. So when you're out of position, are you on your next shot, are you doing whatever you can to get back into position? Or for you, I feel like you're just having trouble getting into the shot. There's, there's the part of you that's walking or riding with your friends, talking, I'm sort of so getting good away at from the your range. life. I, I, I'm so good at the so range. talking about practice. You know. I mean, we're talking about practice. So, anyway. It's <laughs> not a game. game. But I was so happy. Never the game. I was so happy to play. And we even played through a little rain. They let us take carts out. There was a little rain yesterday. For about six holes, it rained. Never hard enough where you would say to anybody in the group, you want to go in? Like, you want to keep doing yeah, it? Yeah, it, it was It was. You know, it, was it wasn't. It, yeah, it was, it was there. It was consistent. But it wasn't awful. Now, I, the people you play with, are they shooting in the 70s or 80s? Well, they're shooting in the 80s and 90s. Most of 80s the 80s and 90s. Okay, with. well, that's not. I mean, it's no, not I'm like you're not, playing no, with people no, who are like scratch. Playing they're with playing with my Michaels. own age. Right, but they, they had better golfing backgrounds. So they're, they're, it's <clears> easier for them to just maintain a bunch of pars and bogeys without right. giving it all of their attention. If I am totally honest and put everything out, I probably shot 115 yesterday. You're not even putting the ball in the hole? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I get close, and I just say, okay. I mean, uh, I don't, winter rules. Uh, no, I don't. Your, I don't. I don't uh, continue. Between the legs. I mean, I make. You know, I don't. I just stop. Yeah, between my, when I go past by that means it's feet. good. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about something, um, and I feel that I have passed the threshold that I can talk about this. I left the three-year grid of my life last Thursday for the first time again in three years because of the pandemic, because of COVID. Because I am terrified of getting COVID, uh, which isn't to say that I wear a mask all the time. It is to say I don't go anywhere. But you did go to a wedding in your defense. Yeah, but I didn't leave the grid of my life. No. What I'm going to say now will indicate to those new to the show that I've left the grid of my life. I got on a train and I went to New York City. Mm. I haven't done that. Uh, and I got on the train with the great help of Amtrak Nikki. 
who I had emailed and I said, help, you know, what's going to happen? And he got me into a... Did you get some red top? What is... You know, the guy who carries your stuff. Oh, no, no, I didn't need that. No, I had... I I only took a small bag with me, an overnight bag. I knew what I was doing. But I... Nikki got me a seat, a solitary seat, which is important when you're going up there and you feel a little bit more comfortable. Going up, I faced backwards... Ugh. Which I wondered would be a problem, but it wasn't terrible. You okay with that? Ugh. It was okay. I hate that. Coming back, I faced forwards. Solitary seat, thanks to Nick. Um, and he came to see me even in, in Union Station before the train left. The first train was delayed by a half hour to a little bit more, and I panicked, of course. You know, it was, well, we'll never get there, and it's terrible, and why am I doing this? And you're going to say, well, why did you go? Well, I went because my college, Binghamton University, was honoring me at an alumni dinner. Now, let me be as honest as I can be and as forthright as I can be. I, I, I refused. I didn't want to go. When Sheila called me and said, we want you to have this award, I said, I don't want to do it. I don't want the award. And I said, and this is 100% truthful, there's nothing my school can do for me that will ever equal giving me an honorary doctorate. Nothing. You can give me all the awards and plaques you want. Nothing will equal that. That's just fantastic to me, and I'm very, very grateful. But she said, we want you to do it. So I said, okay. And then that was two months ago when the day actually came. Oh, yeah. You're like, why did I agree to this? I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it at all. But Michael Michael drove me to the train. Um, I got on the train. You questioned my every turn. Hmm? You questioned my every time. I did. Well, you we were hung up on one particular spot for an There's awfully long time. There's 15 different ways to get to the train station. You I was were... trying to avoid downtown and, and yeah. take you. It doesn't matter. We got down by the monuments. We got there and the train was delayed view. anyway. And the train was delayed. Anyways. Take me to the take me to the station. Take me to the train. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you no wear ma- mask here again, mask Rolling in Union Station <laughs> and no. on the train or no mask at all? I had a mask with me. I wore it. Yes, I wore it here and there. Okay. I didn't wear it consistently and i didn't you know but i did mm-hmm. wear it here and there in the train station standing on the line to the train mm-hmm. on the car itself when I, before i really settled in and felt i was okay because my great fear was getting covid not just from the train but and and the train is okay for me because i can walk around i can't get on a plane my back won't let me do that i can walk and around. the train car opens up about every 45 minutes yeah and and air comes yeah. in and stuff like that so yeah um, and at the dinner, though, at the dinner, people are in your face. They're kids. They're your age, Chris. Your age, Michael. They're not they're care younger in the than world. you. And they and they have they are infected with every disease, every communicable disease known to mankind. Okay, so that was my True. fear. That's how I introduced myself to people. My, <laughs> my great fear was Scary. getting COVID. Um, I when I got the award. And there were other people got awards, too. I had to speak. And I had asked. I said, look, how long do you want me to go? And they said, two minutes. Oh. Two minutes. I said, okay. And in fact, as Michael knows, because Michael knows what my speech was, like the first line, basically, after I get the laugh on, you know, the laugh line is always this. I know it was going to be a good laugh line because everybody here went to Binghamton. And I said, I can see the disappointment in your faces. You were hoping for flow from Progressive Insurance. <laughs> That's a winner. Got the laugh. And then I said, they told me I should speak for two minutes. I've been on television long enough to know what two minutes is. I'm not going past 2.15, believe me. <laughs> and I went 2.15. And I got off. And I made them laugh. 
And later in the program, Uh-oh. a person who was not even getting an award, but oh. giving an award, giving the award to two people, went 15 minutes. Oh, my. 15 minutes thinking she was the wittiest, greatest, most important person in the world, had to give the history of everything, had to talk about how everything worked had to, for this particular foundation. 15 minutes. This is why we need to institute the gong show. Chuck yeah. Barris, where are you when we need I mean, you? I just... To say at least Kelleher with the bell, right? Oh, something. 15. <laughs> to introduce people who spoke for two. <laughs> Rap. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. What was and I had a lovely time. Food was good. It was at the Pen Club, okay. and it was very lovely. The Pen Club, the upstairs uh, banquet facilities for probably for hundred. Right. Did they give you a special room for all that tuition? Uh, no, I should have gone to somebody and said, "Do you know how much money I paid to get my kid in here and keep him?" <laughs> um, no, I went to a hotel. Literally, though, this was another important thing to me. I wanted a hotel within walking distance. I didn't want to start getting in cabs. Oh, yeah. If it rained, I didn't want a problem. Mm-hmm. I got a hotel on that street. That was fine. You know, that was that was what I wanted. But the, the dinner itself, the event was was lovely. I, I mean, but what is my great fear? My fear is I'm going to get COVID. Are you think? I have a question. Now, Just it's been a, a week, and I don't have COVID. You're good no So I think you're I'm good, good. Yeah, now. We think you're I got the booster deliberately 11 days before this event so that it would kick in to my system and give me maximum you're protection. Good. It's, I think it's the, the, the incubation period is it's not a week. Three or four days. Yeah, you're good. Right, so yeah. I, I feel can, I'm good. Can I yeah. ask a quick question? Yeah, I'm going question? something tonight where I'm going to definitely get it. But Are you thinking about it the whole time? Like when you're giving the speech, are you able no. to enjoy yourself? Yes. You're able to enjoy So sure. that's good. That's I'm a good. performer. Yes. Sure. So and by good. the way, on the train ride back, and that train ride was totally on time, two hours and 46 minutes. I'm the, oh, the new, the new hall in new york the oh, yeah. amtrak took over the um post office across yep. the street on 8th avenue between 8th and 9th and now it's the moynihan train hall it's incredible it's beautiful really it's beautiful the lounge is beautiful it's beautiful as bad as penn station was so penn station's I mean, gone now yeah i mean no no penn station still it's exists. there but you're coming into moynihan now oh, and it yeah. is gore- it's all white marble beautiful. it's gorgeous oh that's I don't, right. I don't know how many years it'll take to become dilapidated but it is beautiful <laughs> On the train ride back, I ate French toast with apple compote and raisins and two sausage links, and it was good. It was a good breakfast. Did it pair nicely with that Prosecco? I had Prosecco on the way up. I got drunk as a rat on the way up. No, on the way back, I didn't. I didn't Did just you drank pick water. up a seated rye? I did not. I was not in Zaro's. Zaro's was not in the area where I was in the Moynihan train hall. I was literally one block away the, from where the Zaros yes. was, and I don't know, you know, I didn't walk around. I stayed in the lounge. I didn't walk around the train hall to see if there was a Zaros there, but I hope there was. I that's a, the one in Penn you can't miss. Yeah, you sort of run into it. I it's don't also know. Really good. I, I have not been able to find one in Moynihan. I've looked. I, there probably is one. So it's you've been. To the, you've been. I have. It's beautiful, isn't it? Absolutely. So and, my and great the, thanks to Amtrak, Nikki. The contrast yeah. between Penn. What Penn was and Union Station and Moynihan is vast. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. So on, and so I mean, I said this. I wrote this in a note to Nikki that, and and I have no problem with the lounge at Union Station. I'm no problem with it all. It's fine, but Moynihan makes it look like a garden shed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the Moynihan thing is is really sweet. Yeah. It's really nice. Has Liz ever been? Uh, not not with that new wing. And down here in D.C., 
is commerce coming back to Union? Is like the, the not lower on the level? main floor? Okay. No, not on the main floor where the restaurants were. No, what's in the old Starbucks? Well, I don't know where the old Starbucks was. Uh, it was I'm the not main. A Starbucks it was guy. the main corridor heading towards uh, departures and arrivals. on the right there. As okay, you're going. so there is still some commerce there. There's like an but Auntie in the Aunt's front pretzel. when you walk into the front where there were thriving restaurants and there was action. No, there's nothing, nothing. now. There's a blue there's bottle still a coffee Uniqlo place. store. You know, that store is yep. still there. Some of the stores are still there. And I understand there's a food court at the bottom, but I, what, I'm not going there. Right. I mean, yep. I'm done with that stuff. <laughs> but the, the lounge itself, you know, you can get... You know what you can get in the lounge itself at, at, at Moynihan? A kind bar. Mm, they delicious. have kind bars. That'll keep yeah. you going all day. That yeah. was really nice. Like kind bar. Well, I've talked and talked and talked, so I think I should shut up. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I'm I'm gratified that I didn't. I didn't get it, and I understand that the pandemic has been scaled down officially. That doesn't mean that people my age are not terrified. Sure, you know, right? But, but, and, and, and this but, is also a good experience where you are you are widening your grid. This is like yep. two years ago yes. when we got you to visit other golf courses and well, golf and, courses, and, outdoor but stuff. But start is to different. have dinners with yeah. other people on yes, patios. Outdoors, outdoors. I'm good. I'm not. I'm not. And no nervous. symptoms. No symptoms. That's the big takeaway. No, but I know even if I had some. Well, I, a couple of days we ago. We just call them seasonal allergies. Yes, I yeah, was right. Seasoned, That's the problem. Or as Michael has said to me a number of times, you have a cold, damn it. You have a cold. You don't have COVID. Stop it. Right? Uh, you're around grandkids occasionally. <laughs> right. Not as much as I'd like, but as much as my children would like. Stay away. All right. We'll take a break. Tim Kirchin, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law you're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Dr. Mark Teachin, the chaplain and Grace Palmer Johnston Chair of Bible at the Stony Brook School. Not that Stony Brook School. Ours predates that one by 35 years. This is probably a boarding school or a high school or something like that, not Stony Brook University. And he sure. writes, please find, attach two songs from a new EP entitled Wax Wonder, by Amy Julia Tijin. Tijin is how it's pronounced, which dropped on Spotify, Apple Music, and all major platforms on May 3rd. With a background in spoken word poetry, therapy, and education consulting, Amy Julia gives musical expression to the affections of joy, struggle, and indeed wonder common to us all. Her style is wide-ranging, giving voice to that diversity of emotion. She'd be delighted to share her music with you and your audience. Amy happens, as well, to be my wife, and I think it's fair to say, a quasi-little. By that, I mean she never complains about me listening to the pod. Indeed, last fall, when on a long road trip and listening to Chuck Todd, the monkey, and Carville, she turned to me and uttered four words I never thought I'd hear come out of her mouth. Why don't we bet? <laughs> <laughs> this is Weightless, Amy Tejan, and it plays in Tim Kirkchen. We'll have another song from her later. Um, so I have a lot of questions, but the first one relates to the warrior god. Max Scherzer scratched last night. Scratched. He's had a, a, a troubling season so far because they tossed him for too much rosin. Little rosin's enough. Too much is too much. It's crazy. That should never be. But 
Should I worry about the warrior god? Is it, you know, are he and Verlander together now old? <laughs> I'm not going there, Tony. I've seen too many amazing things out of both of those guys. It, it is a bit troublesome that you're, really your whole season is built around the health of a 38- and 40-year-old yeah. pitcher, both yeah. of whom are going to the Hall of Fame, both of whom were dominant last year. Yes. But both of whom have had troubles this spring and this year now staying healthy. I still think the Mets are a playoff team. I still think uh, Scherzer and Verlander are going to be great at some point this season. But the big question has to be, where are they going to be in October? How healthy are they going to be um, when it really, really matters? And I think that's a legitimate question now. But I repeat, I've learned not to discount these guys. because We weren't sure Verlander was coming back from Tommy John. Yeah, and he, he came Cy back Young. and won a Cy Young with an ERA and a two. So uh, th- th- you got to be careful questioning those two guys no matter how strange things might go i agree with that but i looked at the standings today the mets are two under that's got to be one of the two or three most surprising things in all of baseball the mets are two under yeah the mets have lost 12 out of 15 games here and tony the mets should have a really good offensive team and they've scored one or zero runs in 10 games this year and we're on may the 10th maybe 11th i mean this is Amazing how poorly they've played lately. Now, they've had injuries like everybody else. I repeat, they're going to turn this around. Buck Walter's going to find a way. But right now, I mean, I thought at the beginning of the year, the Braves and Mets are going to be neck and neck the whole way. The Braves are way better than the Mets are at the moment. I think that will change to some degree, but they've got some work to do. I understand why you feel the way you feel about Scherzer and Verlander. I feel the same way. They were great last year, and it's just one more year. But I wonder, Tim, if all of us aren't sort of guilty of Tom Brady bias, that we see somebody do something that nobody has ever done, and we assume anyone or everyone can do it. And I'm not sure that's true. Well, it's a legitimate question now, Tony, and the beauty of baseball, the best part about baseball is how hard it is to play. And when at some point people just can't do it anymore. I mean, Roberto Alomar might be the greatest second baseman I've ever seen as far as all-round player, defense, hitting, running the bases, and he lost it in one year. It was gone at like age 36. He was great at 35. And 36, he wasn't good anymore and never got it back. Strange things happen in this game, and you have to be able to recognize them. And right now, <laughs> Scherzer and Verlander have to be great, but you got to wonder, all right, is, is, are they going to pull this together again? My guess is, yes, they are. Okay, let's move to Wilson Contreras, dumped from the catching position by the Cardinals, who are suddenly awful, truly awful. Tim... The Cardinals played the Cubs 19 times every year for the last X amount of years. How could they not know that Contreras is not a good defensive catcher? Well, I think they knew it, and I think they thought, we're the Cardinals, we're going to get him into our system. We treat, uh, we, you know, we teach players better than anyone else how to play the game, and he will make the adjustment. Yadier Molina from a distance will help him. The whole system will help him. 
and so far it hasn't worked. But, Tony, you know this. When you have a catcher that can really hit, a catcher that provides tremendous offense, you leave him behind the plate. Yes. Because you put him as a DH, he's just another good hitter at DH. When he's behind the plate, he gives you a distinct advantage over other teams because he's a better hitter than almost every other catcher out there. This was a really surprising move that the Cardinals would do this. And they've won three games in a row since or around there. We'll see. Maybe maybe they're smarter than all of us. I, I'm still not sure I understand how, whatever, 35 games into a five-year $87 million deal – that they've decided Dumped he's them. not a catcher anymore. They either should have known that before they signed him or just said, if you pitchers don't like throwing to him, you guys are going to have to figure it out. He's our catcher, but that's not what they decided. All right. Let's get to the story that, to me, so far the season is the most amazing thing, which is the American League East where every single team in the division is above 500, the only division like that. Every single team in the division has 20 or more victories. No other division has more than two with 20. And at the top, the Rays at the top are the best team at the moment in baseball. How good is this division? Well, it's clearly the best division in Major League Baseball. Every other division has a really bad team in it. Some divisions have more than one really bad team in it. And this team, this division has five pretty darn good teams. The Red Sox are way better than a lot of people thought they would be. The Yankees are above 500 with half the team on the injured list. The Blue Jays are so loaded with talent, it's ridiculous. The Orioles are so loaded with talent, it's preposterous. And the Rays are off to a historically good start. I just did two of their games over the weekend, and I went to the game last night in Baltimore and saw them, and I'm completely dazzled with the way they play the game. They're a way better offensive team than they were last year or any other year that I've seen them, I think this is the best team the Rays have ever had, which is really saying something. And that's that's the division. And this is where the balanced schedule helps all those teams. You they bet. They see each other 19 times. They only have to play each other 13 times, which means they can go to Oakland and Kansas City and clobber some bad teams out there instead of, beating each each other up it's really it's really something and that is the correct point if you play each other 19 times you'll all sort of regress to the mean but if you only play each other six times less than that you know those are six at least five wins most of the time and nobody's going to catch these teams right nobody's how many playoff teams are there you can't have five from a division right there's only three max right three max and uh well you got you have six uh, you have three division winners and three wild cards now. You have six teams make the playoffs. So you could have so, four from one division, mathematically. You could. Yes, you could. And my guess is that's not going to happen. At least I thought that at the beginning of the year. I thought there would be three. But it's, there's an outside chance there will be four teams from right. the American League East that make the playoffs. And that would be, obviously, historic. All right, let me get to something that Theo Epstein said on the PTI show the other day. Theo Epstein, who, by the way, is probably the smartest person we've ever had on the show. Him or Steve Young. They're the two smartest people. 
He said he called the starting pitchers the protagonists. And he, I got, certainly got the sense that he wanted baseball to return to the way baseball was when he watched as a kid, where there were great and durable and dominating starting pitchers or protagonists. And I think, Tim, that he wants to limit the amount of pitchers on any squad to force starters to go deeper into games. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that that has been discussed many times that if you want to, you know, make, you know, return the value to the starting pitcher, which I am adamantly for giving the value back to the starting pitcher. One way to do that is to say you can't keep 14 pitchers on your staff because then you'll have, you know, four starters, five maybe, and ten relievers. And if you got them, you're going to use them. Tony, I did a game. It was in September with expanded rosters. A few years ago, I did a game. The Phillies asked Gabe Kapler. I said, okay, how's the bullpen look for tonight? He goes, we have 18 pitchers available. 18 for a game. He used 10 of them. 10 of them. So, yes, I think we need to bring back the value of the starting pitcher. Again, I'm really old, Tony, almost as old as you. Almost. But I, I grew up at a time where guys completed 20 games in the season. And I, 1968, Bob Gibson had 13 shutouts. Max Scherzer, who's our warrior god, whatever you call him, yeah. has 12 complete games in his career. Career. Gibson had more shutouts in one season than Max Scherzer had complete games. Max Scherzer won a Cy Young long before he won. He completed a game in the major leagues. Jacob DeGrom is the other guy we talk about. People ask me all the time, is he a Hall of Famer? He has four complete games and hmm. two shutouts in his career because we don't allow him to go any further in a game. And I think we need to change that. I think a lot of these pitchers are dying to go nine innings. We just won't let them because the industry says, if we let you, you're going to get hit or you're going to get hurt. I think it's time to make a change in, in that perception of what a starting pitcher is. And you can limit the amount of pitchers because you've expanded the amount of pitchers. There's no sanctity to a certain amount of pitchers. And when you say, well, the pitchers are going to be against it. Yeah, but the hitters aren't. There's going to be more hitters on the roster. You know, you're dealing, you, you do the math. You know, there are more <laughs> hitters than pitchers to begin with. So if you favor the hitters, you'll get better feedback from them. Right, Tim? Yes. You know, when I grew up, Tony, in the mid-70s, not grew up, but I was watching baseball as a young man in the early 70s. Earl Weaver had the, the greatest bench ever. He used to call it deep depth on the bench, all right? He had like eight guys on the bench. He had right-handed hitters, left-handed hitters, pinch runners, power hitters. He had everything. Now, guys, teams have a bench of three guys. It's ridiculous. Managers are completely hamstrung when it comes to making moves because they're in t- most of their roster is taken up by pitchers, so they have eight relievers ready to go tonight. We need to change that, too, if we're going to move in the direction that Theo and others, I believe, including me, think we should be going. Thank you, Tim, as always. Thank you, thank you. Talk soon. Okay, Tony, see you. Tim Kirkchin, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Um, we'll talk to Chris about a variety of things when we return. Um, and because, honestly, maybe we shouldn't go there, but the, the, the Donald Trump E. Jean Carroll verdict, I, I 
think it's a pretty big deal. I do. I do. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Amy Julia Tejan. This is a song called All Right. This is sent to us by her hubby from the Stony Brook School, but not Stony Brook University. Yeah, not that one. Loathsome Sea Wolves, I think they're called. Sea Wolves. Sea Wolves. The University of Stony Brook. No, it's not. Loathsome. (laughs) Uh, Michael, if people... Like Amy Tejan, want to send in their original music? How do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. So Chris is here, and first of all, how's the book? It's great. I mean, it's not Luke Russert great, well, but it's good. It's good. It's good on that standard. It's been great. Uh, have I you been doing the, a lot of... I've done, I've done more local radio uh, in the last three weeks than I knew existed. It's like, uh, out of Bakersfield, <laughs> Omaha. So, I mean... The and you thing, never refuse. No, if you can sell, no. it's so crazy. I mean, having done this in my life, the amount of books that you are going to sell by doing these things, it, it, they're so marginal. If you sell two books, right. you're happy. If if you got paid on a weekly basis by two book sales, you'd kill yourself. Yeah, it wouldn't make it <laughs> no. wouldn't make it long. But you'll I'd do have it. To pull the kids out of private school. <laughs> but you'll do it, right? You'll, yeah, you'll, totally. You'll, with anybody. Did I tell you this was the most exciting thing? I don't think I've told you this. I'm doing an event book event at Browseabout. I don't no, think I when? told you that. Oh, no. Made it, it. Um, I'll, let me get you the exact date. It's June. Um, but yeah, I'm doing an event at Browseabout. They were interested, so I'm going to go down there and do it. That's wonderful. I know. I was excited. Uh, other people have done that. Hoda Copy did that yeah, I mean, a couple of times. Yeah, she and I are very similar in a lot of ways, so yeah. that checks out. Yeah. But so, yeah, I'm excited to do it. Where are you yeah. staying? Well, that's what I've mean, been meaning to ask Tony about. Well, yeah, you can stay at the house. <laughs> no. Oh, sure, you can stay no. at the house. Of course you can. No, There's a cleaning fee, down. but you're good. <laughs> yeah. I will have a loud party there. Yeah, that yeah. would happen. Uh, but anyway, so I'm excited to do that. So I'm doing stuff like that. I'm doing like the White House Historical Association. I'm doing the National Archives. Those are all this summer. Which so when you, when you say you're doing those... I'm doing an event at these places. I'm doing an event in front of the White House Historical and Association. So, so there would be... This is like a ticketed event. Yes, yes. And people plan it in, in advance. And Nigel you, and can't you, go. So who will interview you? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that in most of these situations. Some of them, there are moderators. Because that's how it works, right? Somebody yes. interviews you. I'm doing... I got a note from... So they're aware that you're showing up. Yes. Yes, they are aware of that. I did double check on that. I got a note from a a Jerry Braun. I think I'm saying that name right. Um, uh, About the Gaithersburg Book Festival, which is coming up later this month, that he and his family are regular attendees at that I will be doing. Oh, that's great. So I may see him, you know, I guess just a fan. I don't know the guy, but (laughs) I I think just a fan. That's great. Yeah. And and why don't you give the name of the book so people might get it? Power Players, Sports Politics and the American Presidency, available on Amazon. It's it's ranked about 18,000 slots lower than Luke Russell's book. Well, Luke's book. one. <laughs> yeah. Luke's one. Yeah. Number one. I yeah. one. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Happy for him. Oh, it's great for him. Come yeah. on. He's yeah. one. Yes. yes. Pretty uh, great. Yeah. He's been on everything. Everything. Yeah. He had a, we'll get him on this show in a couple of weeks. I mean, yes. he's, he's uh, where I wanted to put him on next week, but I found out last night that he's going to California next week. So. Yeah. To do more book stuff. Good for him. 
right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good oh, for we, him. he, Michael and I was talking. He's a. He, he, if you know, if you knew him, you would root for him. Yeah, he's a good. He's a. He's a. What you hope? He's fuzzy. He, you yes. wanna he, it's him. hard he's not fuzzy. to like him. What yeah. you hope is that the success of this book will help him break out of his shell, give him a little bit more self confidence. <laughs> yeah, the confidence <laughs> thing. Hopefully, always <laughs> been lacking. All right. So let me let me ask this. I, I, I'm one of those people who believes that Donald Trump will be the president of the United States mm-hmm. again. You're, yep. Um, he was not convicted of rape. He was not. He was convicted, however, of sexual assault they, and of damaging a person's reputation. Yes. So they call this, it they call it sexual. It's kind of they call it sexual abuse in this court, but it is to your point. It is sex. It is what we would come to think of as sexual assault. What do we make of this? Okay, so he didn't mount a defense. There's at least that. Well, he just said, he, he, this he, is nonsense. I don't said, even know the woman. I don't know who this is. Right. He did not testify in his own behalf. He did give a deposition, but he did not testify in his own behalf. They were going to have a psychologist testify. That was his one witness. And there was some sort of conflict, and the person didn't show up. So no no witnesses on his side, and he didn't testify. Um, even so, I was at my kid's baseball game yesterday. I was telling Nigel this. I was at my kid's baseball game yesterday when this happened, and I will admit I was somewhat surprised that this that it came down this way, which is, you're right, he was not convicted on rape, but he was convicted of sexual assault. Like, let, let's just let that sink in for a sec and remember that two dozen plus women have accused him of sexual assault. Now, accused, not the same thing, right. but have accused him of sexual assault over his life. He is also currently under indictment uh, for uh, uh, you know an issue. He has two more pending, you know the the confidential the records what he took from the White House oh, potentially. The archives, yeah. So there's and the case in Georgia. So there's there's a lot of smoke here. But but I will I, any I, of this that, stick to right. him? Why do people like me just shrug and say none of this will stick to him at all? I don't think it has any effect on a Republican primary. None. Wow. Um, I, there, there's a quote. I told Nigel this before we went on. There's a quote from Tommy Tuberville, former Auburn football coach, now Governor? now senator. Senator, yeah. Saying, you know, they asked him, like, well, what do you think of the case? And he said, of the conviction. And he said, well, I, if I could now, I'd vote for him twice. And I think there's, like, the, there's that strain within the Republican Party, which is there's nothing that can be said or done or happened to Donald Trump at this point that would change their mind. Now, how does that impact him in a general election? I mean, I just can't, I can't imagine there are women out there who see this and think that's my guy. I mean, maybe there are, but you know, he lost women by 15 points in 2020. Um, there's a big reason why he lost overall. He won men by eight. So there was a seven point gender gap there. I mean, a 23 point gap between the two, but seven points in favor of women. I can't see how this can possibly be helpful in that regard. If you are sort of on the fence, you don't like Joe Biden, you're not happy with the state of the economy, but the alternative is this guy. So I'm hesitant to say nothing matters. It's nihilist. It's, you know, I don't think anything matters in the Republican primary. I've said for a while now, and I continue to believe he is very, very, very likely to be the Republican nominee for president. Thought that was true before yesterday. Thought it was true before he was indicted. Think it's probably as, if not more true now, today. He's ahead by, uh, he's ahead of every opponent by at least 30 points. 
Um, you know, he's at 50-something. DeSantis is at the low 20s. And then everybody else gets, like, roughly the same amount of vote we get. You know, 1%, half percent. So I do think it has an impact, but I don't think it has an impact on him being the nominee. Um, did I read that he's going to do a town hall on CNN? Tonight. On CNN? Yep. The fake news <laughs> capital of the world in his mind? It's he's remarkable. going to do this? Well, so I, I think the thing to remember about him, and we've talked about this, but but he is an entertainer first. He is not a politician first. He is not a statesman first. He is an entertainer first and foremost. And he and, and even more than that, he's a reality TV entertainer. So he likes doing the unpredictable because he knows there's kind of interest in that. Because if he had never badmouthed CNN and he went on CNN, people would watch. You know, people would watch. Yes. But now... Yes. Lots of people are going to watch because it's like, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? Who's and this? that was before, by the way, he was found guilty of sexual assault and defamation yesterday. Now, most sane candidates would say like, well, uh, given extenuating circumstance, oh, a schedule conflict. You know, they'd make up something and not go on. He get, let me uh, hold on. I want to make sure I give the quote right. He, he gave out a quote that said, I mean, it's so amazing uh, about tonight. He said. Could be the beginning of a new and vibrant CNN with no more fake news or Kurt could turn into a disaster for all, including me. That's his quote. <laughs> I would. I will. What? what? Why I are will, you doing it then? I will watch. I mean, of course, I, I will not it's watch a, the basketball or the hockey or the baseball. No, I will of watch. Of course, it's a, he's. So this is this is the thing. This is why he does it. You know, he does unpredictable stuff where it's like, what? wait until wait until the next episode. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Let know, me ask this. Um, he's in all sorts of hot water, mm -hmm. depending on how hot you think it is. Tommy Tuberville thinks it's lukewarm, doesn't mean anything. And Biden's poll numbers are terrible. Terrible. They're terrible. They're dropping like rocks. Why aren't other people running for president in both parties? Yep. Why aren't they? I, so I think the, the sort of 50,000 foot answer to that is it is such an unappealing prospect to run for office at this point that that the desire to be president gets overshadowed by how ugly it is to get there particularly okay let's say you're Tom Cotton you're you're a 40 year old guy you're the senator from Arkansas you you have this incredible resume like Harvard 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 graduate school you and know, you served you in the military served in the military um yeah you you look at this rate you want and you and you want to be president and think you could be a good president right and i think all of those things that we just said about tom cotton are true you look at this race and you think do i really want to run, run against trump like do i is that what i want to do like look at what he's done to desantis from meatball ron you know i mean which by the way is a terrific nickname it's, even if it is i think it i think it is meant to be anti-italian i'm not totally sure about that but you know, like, do you want to face down that? Is that appealing to you? So that's on the Dem on the Republican side. I think it's just, it's so unappealing. He's going to make it so ugly that even if you win, you're going to be, it's going to be, you know, you're never going to be able to look your kids in the eye again. So so that's, that's on that one. Remember, this is a man who said that Ted Cruz's father may have been involved in the assassination of JFK. Like, let's not forget that that happened. No, just... So, and then on the Democratic side, you know, there's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Marianne Williamson running, not, neither of whom are 
significant threats to Biden. I, I just think the Biden people did a good job of essentially saying, we will end you if you run against him. <laughs> that you won't win because it's really hard to beat an incumbent president in he's a primary. 82. He's going to be he's going to be 82 years old. Yes. Right after Election Day. He's going to be 86 in the, in, at the end of his second term. I, but I think they I'm said younger like, than that. I can't be president. If you can't, don't have the stamina. And I would recommend to people, there's a great story, I think it's in the New York Times, about Biden's diet. And let's just say he eats like Chris Saliza, which is inadvisable for Joe Biden. <laughs> ice cream 80. and spaghetti? He likes ice cream and spaghetti. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. But um, so I think they sent, so if you're Gavin Newsom, again, you're you're in your 50s, I think, Newsom. You're the governor of California. You're going to run for president at some point. Do you take a flyer on this knowing you're probably not going to win because Ted Kennedy lost to Jimmy Carter and Jimmy Carter was as badly damaged as yes, as yes. Biden, at least. And Ted Kennedy was more famous than a- anyone who would run against a Biden this time. Do you want to take that flyer and or do you want to just wait four years? It's an open seat no matter what. Right. The Democratic nomination will be open no matter what. Either Biden will be term limited or it'll be, uh, you know, you have the chance to go against the inheritor of the trump legacy um and so i think they wait but i agree with you it's really depressing i mean there, there's a poll out there that that shows it was nbc uh you know i mean chuck todd was involved so who knows but uh <laughs> it had 71 percent of americans saying they didn't want biden to run again including 51 percent of democrats i mean that's remarkable and it's 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 primarily to do with age i think people think he's a pretty nice guy but that 80 is too old to seek a second term. But th- this is, this is it's politics. If Donald this, Trump runs and wins, he'll be in his 80s when it's he's done. Se- yes, he's 76 right now. Yes. He'll be 80. Yeah, I, yes. and that's the funny thing is that the 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 focus on age for Biden is is so heavy, but Trump is only four years younger. It's not like so Trump right. is 50. Ron DeSantis is in his 40s. Now, that's a big contrast. Um, and I think... Well, I'll just say this, and then we'll get out of here. I, I've, I've watched Trump like everybody else has watched Trump. He is indefatigable. He can go all night, all day the yep. next day, all night the next night after yeah. that. He'll get on a plane. He'll show up. He he does not seem to tire ever. It's all those Big Macs. Well, I, I think it's, no, I think he just that's has his that oxygen. Constitution. It is. That's it's his what oxygen. Him. Yes, he, that's he knows he's going to get in front of people, and he loves it. Yep. He is a performer. He yep. is an entertainer. Yep. You know, but if nothing sticks to him, it's just unbelievable. I'm fascinated to see what the ratings will be for. I thought the ratings would be good no matter what for the CNN town hall with the E.G. and Carroll stuff. I think it's now going to be just absolutely bananas. That's like nine tonight or eight. I I would assume I haven't looked, but usually they do those things at nine. It's in New Hampshire. It's a town hall. So New Hampshire voters will ask questions. The real key is Caitlin Collins, who's the moderator. You know, it's so hard to navigate something with Trump because he just talks over you. I mean, yeah. he just talks and he just says whatever he wants to say and you have to try to interject. So it's really hard to do, but it, it, it is sort of must-see TV. I'm just uh. curious. You talked about a lot of candidates. What's the polling on Chessie? How is she looking? <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, she'd probably get about 20% in the Democratic primary. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming she's a Democrat. I probably shouldn't assume that. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Bruce Griffin, who can play the piano. Send us some hot bagels. Yes, the sesame bagels. Hot Very bagels. excited about those. Bethesda bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location. Good day for Chris to show up and yes. get a lot of bagels. Oh, to take what a home. coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say I woke last night to the sound of thunder. How far off I sat and wondered. Started humming a song from 1962. And it's funny how the night moves when you just don't seem to have as much to lose. Strange how the night moves with autumn closing in. That's Night Moves by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Um, Bob Seger, Rod Stewart, guys like that. Very distinctive rock and roll voices. Oh, yes. Can sing anything. You know, they are rock and roll singers. And well, Seger, not a big guy, right? About 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, not big at all. Like Mitch Ryder. Mitch Ryder, that's right. Yes. Hmm. Thanks to our guests today, Tim Kirchin, Chris Saliza. Thanks to the sponsors today, SimplySafeNuts.com and ButcherBox. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Now, we, are, we are approaching pool season, so TK5, yes. still active at JohnnyO.com. Though, we, even though he's up to we six. We might have to up. No, he's up to seven. <laughs> oh, he had one last night? We are night. passing the over. Wow. <laughs> so Dominic Smith now probably on pace for at least 35 RBI. The he was three season. for three last night. Yeah. It's the worst player in baseball. Not good. Yeah, I guess when I it's only when I watch that he's the worst player in baseball. Okay, I gotta, we got to stay night. for the West Coast games. So we found out, Nigel told me that we got a lot of woodpecker stuff. Yes. I haven't read these. I'm reading these blind. Okay, this is from Ken Mays from Knoxville, Maryland, not Tennessee. Dear Tony, you are not a bird brain and good on you. I'm a bird brain and that, that is my addiction or among them. The bird you saw on your early morning dog walk was a woodpecker. It wasn't a common red-headed woodpecker, but a pilated, a pil, pileated, a pileated woodpecker after the Latin word pileatus for cap. It is the largest woodpecker, thank you, in North America. The size of a hawk or a raven. This is exactly what I thought. Unless the raven is an offensive lineman and indeed has a prominent red head. <laughs> uh, it is common to this area and habits our woods. The red-headed woodpecker, another image on, that he sent me, is much smaller, about the size of a robin or a blue jay, and mostly found in open areas to the west of here, as in Ohio, Indiana, etc. I've only seen one pair in one of my small farm's pastures in over 30 years. Adding to the confusion is another locally common woodpecker, the red-bellied woodpecker, which only has a little bit of pink on its belly, but a prominent rust red crown and nape. The woman to whom I'm related by marriage and I have spent vacations over the last 40 years traveling the world looking at all sorts, sizes, and species of birds. Lots of other cool stuff in addition. Our snaggletooth cousins, the Brits, call us twitchers, although I, I don't know why. Well, <laughs> Did you know that? Bird watching is more active in social sport than snooker or darts. This area, the DMV, is excellent bird watching territory. And he sent the pileated one. And that, yeah, it just That's had him. a huge red. A big, was, big cat. was really big. <laughs> this is what we needed. From Adam Perlman in Boston. If you were struck by the size of the woodpecker you saw, 
It may have been something called a pileated woodpecker and not a red-headed woodpecker, although they are not very common in urban settings. If it's not already taken, my, I'd be the official bird watch with Tony Cornish. You have to fight it out with Ken Mays. Yes, yeah. Also, please edit this letter out of the Northeastern distribution of the show as I don't want the guys on my softball team to know I'm a bird watcher. Thank you. <laughs> From Harrison Slater in New York, New York. Is Michael saying, I know that woodpecker, the first David Aldridge <laughs> moment of an animal? <laughs> From Mike... Uh, Pennell or Pennell, who was emailed us before from the U.S. Embassy in in uh, Baghdad. Oh right, yes. Um, greetings from Embassy Baghdad on the banks of the Tigris River and the Cradle of Civilization. Listening to your May 8th podcast, I wanted to write to offer what I believe might be a correction. The bird you described was likely a pileated woodpecker. These birds are the largest woodpeckers in eastern North America, at about 19 inches in length. You know, a George Solomon wrote me a letter, said as big as a hawk. Like, you know, you're stupid. You know, no, it yes. was, it, it, it had, it made large sounds. Its wing spread was so much bigger than I thought. It took down our tree. Yeah, these are described as crow-sized woodpeckers. They have a large red crest on their heads. A red-headed woodpecker, the actual name of another species, does have a completely red head, but at nine inches is considerably smaller with a smaller wing- wingspan than its pileated cousin. Both birds are a real treat to see. I haven't seen a pileated, often very shy in many years. As an update, my prior post, Embassy Khartoum, on the banks of the Blue Nile, shuddered indefinitely last month as a sustained armed conflict uh, broke out between two rival factions. That's in Sudan, right? Yep. Many of my friends and colleagues have safely evacuated several to the Washington area. Please wish them well, if any are listening. Indeed. From Les Kernan in Rochester, New York, I thoroughly enjoyed... Oh, this is now we're off that. We're on to something else. I thoroughly enjoyed the riveting discussion of your hamburger cooking on Monday's show, and I had to laugh when Michael said, we'll check your buns. What's next, Uranus? <laughs> Frank from Virginia. First time, long time. I heard a fellow little email uh, in about the Golden Snowball Contest in Buffalo taking the win with 130 inches of snowfall. That's cute. I live in the Reno Tahoe area, and we received at last count somewhere over 600 <laughs> inches. And we just got more wow. snow last week. Eat it, Buffalo. Wow. There, yeah, because they've had, that's the California. Yeah, I was going to say, the there are the places drought. in California where I saw over 700 inches. Like, it, it, like, I saw a picture two days ago on the Twitter box where there is still covering the home. From Todd in Bristow, um, Virginia. Apropos of nothing, this is pretty great. I thought I would share it since it came from social medias. I figured Mr. Tony would not see it otherwise. Willie Mays, when describing as a 17-year-old, faced Satchel Page for the first time. It was 1948. Satch had a very, very good fastball, but he threw me a little breaking ball just to see what I could do. And I hit it off the top of the fence. I got a double. When I got to second, Satchel told the third baseman, let me know when that little boy comes back up. <laughs> Three innings later, I go to kneel down in the on-deck circle, and I hear the third baseman say, there he is. Satch looked at the third baseman, and then he looked at me. I walk halfway to home plate, and he says, little boy? I say, yes, sir, because Satch was much older than I am, so I was trying to show respect. He walked halfway to home plate, and he said, little boy, I'm not going to trick you. I'm going to throw you three fastballs, and you're going to go sit down. And I'm saying in my mind, I don't think so. If he threw me three at the same pitch, I'm going to hit it somewhere. He threw me two fastballs, and I just swung. I swung right through it. And the third ball he threw, and I tell people this all the time, he threw the ball, and as he let it go, he said, go sit down. This is while the ball is in the air. Yes, he struck me out with three pitches. That's Willie Mays talking about Satchel Page. Well, have you heard the Willie Mays, uh, Bob Gibson story? No. Willie Mays apparently went up to Bob Gibson's house, something, you know, off duty, and Gibson comes to the door wearing glasses. And Willie Mays is like, wait a minute, you wear glasses? You're supposed to wear glasses? Like, yeah, I actually am. I can't see that well. Another intimidation factor when he's on the map. Total intimidation. (laughs) Uh, From Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd, in Columbus, Ohio, just south of Galena. 
Oh, sure, Booger McFarlane can name the 14 guys drafted before him, but can he name all of the rascals? Yes, I doubt that. <laughs> from Jason Blazer, once again, from Lake Orion or Lake Orion? Yeah, either one. If I've learned anything, if I've learned one thing in life, it's this. The secret to a long, blissful marriage is to announce to a national audience that the woman to whom you're related by marriage has wolfed down a pile of sugary baked goods. <laughs> Please tell Michael. Use the backyard smoker and the self-smoke some pink Himalayan rock salt. Then use a grinder of your choice. It's a game changer. <laughs> I've been known to partake in a nice melon from time to time. I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people doesn't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. <laughs> Someday you'll understand that. Not now. Here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> ah, from Kevin Bench in the hills in Texas. I offer a heartfelt thank you for your wisdom. You said today three times that sea salt is the salt of the oceans. Where would us little bees without you? Little's bee without you. Uh, Stephen Bond, you're so right. Michael offered poor advice. As a Maryland-raised man living in Northern Virginia, I can tell you every single Trader Joe's location is putrid. Each one I have been to in the lovely Commonwealth is either jammed into a massive shopping center with one horrible one-way parking rows or as parking in a garage that would make a spelunker claustrophobic. Sure, the cotton candy grapes are delicious and they have wonderful cheese selection, but you're better off going... Somewhere else. Don't drive. It's not worth it. Stephen Arland. See? It's not a bad he take. You. But what about the reusable bags? He oh, my God. You. Elliot Olshansky in Comac on Long Island. If Washington's baseball history is any indication, what the Nats really need is for a devoted and aging fan to sell his soul to the devil in exchange for the transformation into a young prospect <laughs> who joins the team and immediately energizes the lineup with his hitting, his fielding, and most important, his heart. I suppose that if an epic Nats win streak coincides with the mysterious disappearance of the podcast and a string of Frank Isola appearances on PTI, we'll all know what happened. Just make sure you negotiate a solid escape clause in time for football season. You got to have heart. Strike three, ball four. Would you like to say how you know this? Goodbye, old girl. Yeah, because Michael old girl. was a star of this in high school. Oh, really? In Joe Boyd Yankees. and Joe Hardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you do it now? Could we I, get- could, I could do most of the show. But the problem is, at this point in my career, I was such a bad dancer, and they had to have me up front because I was the lead. Mm-hmm. But I was aged, so it was okay. I got away with it. That's right. Hey, you're not supposed to move, Greg. Yeah, Elliot Olshansky also writes, best regards from Suffolk County, where the Trader Joe's Couldn't and Comac has ample parking, as it anchors a sizable shopping center on Jericho Turnpike, along with the Dick's Sporting Goods at the other end. From Tim Crick in Fort Collins, Colorado, another thing we have in common, I hate ketchup. I don't put ketchup on anything ever. It's gross. Yes, I don't like it. <laughs> Mitch in Las Vegas. Is the Chuck and Roxy show simulcast available on News Channel 8? I'm hoping this question will get me on a future podcast. I don't think so. I'm not sure. And one in a million. Okay, we got one more. And this is, these are always long, but pretty good. From Rob Strittmatter. I've listened to you since the WTEM days with Andy Poley. So Andy I don't Poley? Want, I don't want to know how you oh do it. Oh, my. About a month ago, I was invited by a friend to the University of Georgia <laughs> chapter, National Football Federation Banquet Golf Outing in Athens. Now, mind you, I have no affiliation with the University of Georgia, and I'd never been to Athens. My friend's brother-in-law is a donor and was kind enough to offer the invite. On the day of the banquet, there was a golf tournament at the Athens Country Club. Probably 36 foursomes. That's a lot, man. That course is loaded then. It's a five-hour round. Yeah, at least. Since we only had three, a fourth player was paired up with us. With it being a tournament, our names were on the front of the carts. On about the fourth hole, the gentleman, Phil, who was randomly put in our foursome, walks up to me and asks, where did I grow up? I say Silver Spring, Maryland. He asked, do you know Charlie Strittmatter? I say I do. He's my father. Phil says, I played junior high baseball in Mount Rainier with your father. He played shortstop and I played center field in 1952. <laughs> your father lived three doors down from me and we played ball every afternoon. 
What are the chances? I guess one in a million or more. My father passed away about six years ago. Never missed him more than when I was talking to his old teammate. Phil moved away from the D.C. area in high school and had not seen or spoken to my dad in 70 years. My dad was a huge baseball and Nats fan. I would have paid anything to be able to call my dad right then and put Phil on the phone. Phil is Phil Schaefer, uh, Hall of Fame, University of Georgia football and basketball broadcaster. Wow. Also, I have a Rehoboth Beach House. Your neighbor, Brian, sold us our lot on Lake Drive. I know where Lake Drive is. I walk Chessie on Lake Drive right. every single morning. I know where that is. Rob Street Matter. Pretty cool. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Now, if there's anything I can do for you. Well, I certainly hope you'll die well, soon. I certainly hope you'll die soon. <laughs> <laughs>
get away with me.